Hello everyone and welcome to a special episode of Box Office Receipts. I'm your host, Tyler Callahan, and in this episode, I will recap some of the highs and lows at the box office for 2021. This includes films that did better or worse than expected, both domestically and worldwide. This year we had a slow start. Things didn't really get to pick up until March, but it did get stronger throughout the year. Let's start with the domestic box office. For domestic numbers, let's talk about the highs first, and I want to preference this. This is for films I did not expect would do that good. So for example, I won't be talking about No Way Home because everyone expected Spider-Man to be a hit. It was a bigger hit than I expected it to be, as of this recording, it's over 700 million domestic, but I knew, everyone knew, it was going to make a lot of money. However, instead, I wanted to talk about another Marvel film, which is Shang-Chi, which up until No Way Home in December, was the biggest movie of the year domestically. Right out of the gate, it started strong with 75 million domestic, had great reviews, great word of mouth, and it legged its way all the way to 224.5 million. Obviously, what helped it was that it was a theatrical-only release, but having watched it myself, it's a solid movie with a great cast and new characters. I also think that from an audience point of view, while most thought Black Widow was okay, It was a story set in the past between Civil War and Infinity War. Shang-Chi is the first film since Spider-Man Far From Home, post-Endgame, which I think intrigued people, and there was great hand-to-hand combat. Another surprise hit was A Quiet Place Part 2. While again it was expected to do well, there was the question of it being pushed back over a year would hurt it with the stop and start marketing. Remember, back in March of 2020, Before everything got delayed, Paramount was getting ready for the red carpet premiere for this film. And the ads were everywhere for it. You go outside, you'd see posters, you'd see the TV spots on the commercials. They were getting ready. Still, it finally released over Memorial Day weekend as a theatrical-only release. And made $160 which makes it Paramount's biggest hit since Sonic the Hedgehog from early 2020. Also for the studio, this is clearly their big new horror franchise with a spin-off and a proper part 3 in the works. Now, let's talk about some lows. You know, the bombs. Most of the bombs this year went to Warner Brothers, uh, in part thanks to the HBO Max same-day premiere. First is The Suicide Squad. For as many missteps Warner Brothers made as a studio over the past few years, bringing in James Gunn to let him do whatever he wants to in making a DC film is not one of them. Not only that, but having even agreed to let the film be rated R also deserves praise. And the end result, filmmaking-wise, is what I would consider one of the best DC films since The Dark Knight. However, with all of this, its domestic total, after releasing in August, was 55.8 million. Put that in perspective, the first Suicide Squad back in 2016 made 325.1 million in a try. Held the sequel couldn't even make as much as the first did on its opening day. And I'm being dead serious about this. For the first Suicide Squad's opening weekend, it made 64.8 million on that Friday, day one. So what the hell happened? Well, a few things. Taking away the obvious effect HBO Max had on its numbers, I think the main issue is the title itself. The Suicide Squad is not a good name for the film. When marketing this as The Suicide Squad, people got confused whether this was a reboot or a sequel. It also did not help 
that were to make it more confusing, some characters like Harley Quinn and Rick Flagg did return, but Deadshot and Joker did not. So again, they're still left wondering, is this actually a sequel? Or is this a reboot? Even without the hybrid release, this was going to face a tough time at the box office, either way, without changing the title of the film and improving the marketing. Letting people know this was a direct sequel, just with some new characters. The other noticeable bomb from Warner Brothers came right at the end of 2021 with The Matrix Resurrections. While I was not surprised that the fanbase was not a big fan of it, it's usually 50-50 on if a sequel to a dormant franchise will please fans or not, I was surprised how bad the general word of mouth was. During opening weekend, as the numbers came in, it was looking at possibly doing 40 million and came in at 21.1 million. Not at all what analysts expected. Then afterwards, with the bad word of mouth, that uh, slowed it even further and is now only at $36 million total. What happened here, I think, again, was two things, besides HBO Max. First, the fans were so upset by it, it helped increase the bad word of mouth. Then, by releasing during the holidays, people meet up and it helps spread you know, their thoughts about what they think of the film. Uh, so it only spreads the word, bad word of mouth worse. The second is just box office related, and that is Spider-Man No Way Home was a monster taking in all the cash it could. I think while Rival Studios expected it to do really well, they were hoping that their films released right after it could serve as good counter-programming. That plan backfired. For the first month of No Way Home's release, people either went to see that, or Sing 2, or did not go at all. They did not see Nightmare Alley, they did not see Matrix Resurrections, or if they did, they did it on streaming. Bunch of movies. Now for The Matrix, its international numbers are okay. It is what is carrying this total box office right now, but it's still looking at finishing under 200 million worldwide on what is being reported up to a 190 million dollar budget for a film. If this franchise does continue, I think it lives on as a HBO Max series or film. Finally, the other film that caught me off guard regarding it being a bomb was The Last Duel, a medieval drama directed by Ridley Scott and starring Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Adam Driver, and Jodie Comer. It got great reviews and a theatrical-only release. And what did it open to? 4.7 million, with a domestic total of 10.8 million. What hurts this even more is the budget for the film was around 100 million, not including marketing. So yeah, bit of a loss here for Disney and 20th Century. Now, I did not think this was going to be a smash hit, but I was thinking of a decent run with a domestic total between 50 to 100 million. So what happened? Well, one trend we saw play out this year at the box office was, while superhero and horror films were quick to find an audience, adult dramas did not. Part of that is its main audience, older adults who have not returned to going to theaters regularly. Also, did not help that the film is about a woman being raped and two men having a duel to settle it. Not the lightest of subjects. Still, with the rave reviews the film got, it looks like it will find success on streaming over the next few years. Doesn't help the studio to earn a profit on it, but you know. Taking a look at worldwide numbers, it was a very interesting year. Like the domestic numbers, I will focus on the success stories first, and for that I will head to China, where they had three of the top ten movies worldwide for the year. But the one I want to talk about is The Battle of Lake Changjin, a Korean war movie that made $902 million. Besides the fact that 99% of the box office came from China itself, this was almost the first non-Hollywood film to pass a billion which would have been something. Still, the performance of this film was off the charts, and it looks like next year or two we will get our first billion dollar Chinese film. 
Now, I can't talk about box office success this year worldwide without talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, yes, I mentioned I wouldn't talk about it, at least domestically. And domestically, you know, it's doing great. But I got to say, at this point, worldwide, I am kind of surprised in how far it's gone. You know, as of this recording, it's over $1.7 billion without a China release. And can possibly, it's guaranteed to finish at least at $1.8 billion, possibly $1.9 uh, this is one of the few films, pandemic or not, in the past few years that made over a billion dollars without China. Uh, the last one, the most recent one being Joker from 2019. So, how did it happen? Why is this film, you know, hopefully during the tail end of a pandemic, right? Well, I mean, the release was during the height of Omicron, but why make so much money? Well, it's simply a good movie. You know, sprinkling some nostalgia there, obviously. Uh, but it was an instant crowd pleaser, and I had solid hype built up for it. Overall, this is a great success story for, of course, Sony, Marvel Studios, but for fans as well, as it gives everyone what they wanted. However, not all Marvel films were a success, with Eternals ending up being a disappointment. To start off, it was not good that this became the first film in Marvel Studios history to get a rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes from critics. Then after, release word of mouth from the audience were, eh, it's okay. Not Oh my god, this is a great Marvel movie, or this is complete trash, just, it's there, it's okay, nothing great. This led it to make around $164 million domestic, and worldwide at $402 million worldwide. Now you could say, well, Tyler, Black Widow made less, so why is it not a disappointment? And you'd be right, it did come in at $379 million worldwide. However, that had a premiere access release on Disney+. Plus at the same time, so obviously that affected the box office numbers. This was a theatrical-only release. Also, I think overall expectations were higher for Eternals uh, than Black Widow. Black Widow, everyone knew, was a goodbye to the character and a thank you to Scarlett Johansson. Eternals was directed by Oscar winner Chloe Zhao and was set to introduce a whole new set of superheroes. Personally, I really like Eternals, but I can understand people making the case that they tried to add too big of a group, and that overall hurt the film, uh, more than helped, as quite a few were underdeveloped. I personally don't think so, but I respect people's opinion if they think that. But yeah, for Marvel Studios, they were not expecting their first rotten film to come from an Oscar winner, and for fans to just accept it and move on. No excitement, no enthusiasm for some of the characters, or hoping to see more, they just, okay, looks cool, and walk away. Besides Marvel Studios, this is also a massive shock to me that this is how the film ended up. Now we go to Paramount, where, while they did have some success in 2021, you know, Quiet Place Part 2, they also had some failures, and their biggest is with uh, Snake Eyes. With their big summer blockbuster coming in at a $88 million budget, reportedly, it got mediocre reviews, bombed in every market, and it comes in at just under $40 million worldwide. So what happened? Well, I think for this to have worked, Paramount needed to be amazing action film, because most people these days do not care much about the G.I. Joe brand let alone a specific character from the franchise. Based on reviews, it was not an amazing action film, and not only that, this year as the box office started to head toward normalcy, it was really the big must-see films or horror that got people to go out. As much as Paramount might have hoped, Snake Eyes was not that. Finally, we go to Warner Brothers, which, thanks to the HBO Max same-day streaming, technically had a lot of bombs. Now, the obvious choice would be Suicide Squad. However, there was a different one I wanted to talk about, and that is Reminiscence. You got a noir-style film set in a world where climate change is actually affected where we live, in this case Miami. Stars Hugh Jackman, 
and behind a camera is Lisa Joy, co-creator of Westworld. Should be a decent hit, right? No. First it got poor reviews, and then the numbers came in on a budget of around 50 to 60 million dollars. It made 3.9 million domestic and 15.8 million worldwide. That is the bomb, no matter how you slice it. As for why it failed, it kinda goes back to what I said at the box office when talking about Snake Eyes. For 2021, yeah, people went back to the theaters. But for now, it's only must-see films or horror. They may have had interest in this film in normal times, but the poor reviews and same-day streaming killed those chances. And that is it for this special episode of Box Office Receipts, going over the hits and failures of 2021. Were there any films that surprised you at the box office this past year? Let me know on Facebook. Link to the page in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and see you next time. <laughs>